I'm sick of it. I'm sick of that. I'm sick of this. Of what? Health. Health. I'm sick of health. Sick of health. Hello, and welcome back once again to Sick of Health and the Sick of Isolation Coronavirus mini-series with your favourite team as usual, myself, Joe Dixon. And then, of course, we have Dr. David Wright. Hello. And Rob Littlewood. Hello. So I think, so this is the, the, the third episode in the uh, mini-series. Um, and I think last time, due to a, um, an excellent question from Rob, we, were gonna, we said we were going to look at the different approaches from different countries, uh, which we are still very much going to do. But we've decided since this whole, everything is moving so quickly and there's so many updates all the time, we're going to go for a new kind of layout. We're going to do a topic one week and then the next week we're going to have like a kind of tie up loose ends. What are the updates? Any progress on unanswered questions from previous episodes and look at the myths knocking around. Um, so that is exactly what we're going to do this week. Um, so we're going to start with, with we've decided it's, it's high time Robbo gets his own little segment. Hi guys, it's Rob here, introducing the uh, weekly favourite myths, so the least scientific part of the uh, of the conversation. <laughs> um, I've picked a few. There, there are plenty out there that I think a lot a lot of us have seen. Um, it's, uh, I mean, some of them are just ridiculous, aren't they? Uh, first and foremost, there's the five G one. Um, interestingly, Eamon Holmes, the BBC or ITV news presenter, is in a bit of controversy about that. I, I heard this this morning. It's strange. It sounds like he said that, you know, don't debunk it until it's been proven wrong. But then the World <laughs> Health Organization was, you know, uh, has already made pretty clear that viruses cannot pass over radio waves. <laughs> so uh, I think that one has been debunked, I, essentially. I just heard, it, I heard his interview on the radio this morning, and you can tell it's one of those forced apologies. Where he really, he's been said he has to do it, but you can tell the way he says it. He's, he's like, I don't know what. Really? Is. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's obviously just not been using his phone for weeks. Um, so, as soon as I heard it was this morning, I assumed it was going to be Piers Morgan, but Eamon Hurst yeah. out of nowhere. <laughs> oh, isn't it? Trying to get the spotlight. Um, another one is uh, eating garlic cannot prevent the infection. So um, <laughs> there are no proven um, similarities between um, vampires and coronavirus, <laughs> uh, which is good. Um, I actually, then, I actually, I met a girl. This is complete tangent. I met a girl out here who swears by putting garlic in your ears if you have a cold. She says if you feel really? a cold coming on, put garlic in your ears. She says our whole family does it. <laughs> nah, really, I was trying really, not to be really. a dick, but I couldn't help smirking. <laughs> Someone's had a good joke at her expense. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, the uh, next one that um, is, uh, you know, slightly more serious, I suppose, is that hand dryers are not effective in killing the virus. Um, I saw that. <laughs> yeah. Just, you know, continue washing properly. Did you guys see the video of the ape um, showing everyone how to do 20-second hand washing? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, quite funny. I need to see that. They had a bucket of soap and a brush, and, and this orangutan was just, like, brushing their fingers really thoroughly for, like, like 20 seconds each. It was, um, And they shared that around, saying, like, you know, learn from, from this girl. Good lad. Um, <laughs> oh, good lass. And good lass. Um, then... Uh, another one is um, spraying alcohol all over your body. 
does not protect <laughs> you from the virus. Um, and then the final one, um, which I heard to be fair a while ago, actually was that um, Prince Philip is dead. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Prince Philip apparently is dead. I, I, I'm pretty sure that's not true. <laughs> that shows how dark my humour is. I found that hilarious. That's terrible. Yeah. Um, I hope he's in good health. You've got some uh, slightly more serious ones, don't you, Joe? Yeah, well, uh, you come across loads, don't you? The first one actually is not serious at all. I don't know if either of you have heard of this. There's a book by uh, Dean. This is less of a myth, more of a prophecy. There was a book. It came out in uh, 1981. It was written by Dean uh, Kuntz. And um, it's called The Eyes of Darkness. And uh, there was, there was a, a picture, a highlighted page going around on Twitter that basically says it prophesizes it. And some of the bits are quite interesting because it literally said, um, it quotes 2020 as the year that it prophesizes this kind of disease coming out. And then it, it, they call in the, in the book, they call the disease Wuhan 400. Wow. Because, no, and this no. is, yeah, and this is where it's really interesting. They say there was a Chinese scientist called Li Chen. I have no idea how popular that name is in China, but <laughs> there's a scientist that's actually been associated with it in the Wuhan called Li Chen. That's pretty mad. And then they, say, they say that, yeah, it was developed in the, the RDNA lab just outside the city of Wuhan. Um, and they say it was, a, it was a human created microorganism, which as we, we covered uh, virus, sorry, which we covered in the first episode, it's not possible. This cannot be a human-made one. But, but didn't um, you say there was a lab outside of Wuhan, which yeah, yeah. another rumor about it? <laughs> well, that's that's where the, there was another um, conspiracy that it was created to kind of this political war with America. Um, so that book prophesized wow. it in 1981. So it beat Bill Gates. He only did it in. It's 2015, didn't he? This book was was it, in 1981. Was it, is this a fiction book or is it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Not oh, really. Anymore. That's even more interesting. Mm. So I haven't seen the Simpsons predicting this one. I might give it a read now. Maybe this is a whole conspiracy to increase the sales of that book. Yeah, well, played, Dean. <laughs> just, like, just like Netflix. Did you see the Netflix conspiracy about uh, Contagion? Oh, no, not, it was not Contagion specifically. It was about closing cinemas. No. Netflix started the virus so the, so the cinemas <laughs> would close. The um, bastards, I knew it was them. And Contagion would get loads of views. A giant virus department at, at Netflix. <laughs> um, um, okay, so this, yeah, sorry. So there's some, some more, some serious ones. I know in the first episode we debunked a few of the like, this is how you avoid getting the virus. Uh, there was another one that came out that definitely seemed a bit more serious it was um an nh staff member i don't know if you saw the video who was saying um to help i think it's if, if you're in the early stages of the virus is that right david yeah 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 so you're still at home and he, he says to basically breathe in deeply like a deep breath in i think it was six times and on the sixth time cough out and then do that again lying on your back um and obviously, I was skeptical straight away because we've seen so many of these videos, but he was in his NHFs. He looked like he was in a hospital. He was in his clothing attire. Is the video? Yeah, there's a video, yeah. yeah. Apparently, J.K. Rowling tried it. And she yes. Swears by it. Yeah, 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 I so saw she, this. She, she tweeted it. 
So, David, what, what do we reckon? That one's legit? Uh, not exactly, no. So he later <laughs> on went to tell the Times that um, he backtracked a little bit, saying this technique isn't for everyone and that you should always seek medical advice and the pregnant women shouldn't do it as it could cause harm to their baby. So he started backtracking a little bit anyway. And then this um, UK fact-checking charity called Full Fact uh, looked into it as it was gaining so much traction and they spoke to, with the Association of Chartered Physiotherapists in Respiratory Care. So they should know what they're on about in this. Good name, catchy um, name. Yeah, catchy. <laughs> and they said that um, basically it's unlikely to help at all. And, you know, it might, might do something, but it's unlikely. And actually a lot of people getting this are going to be quite frail. And if they go onto their front, they might have difficulties getting out of that position for very little benefit. And they went on to give some actual good breathing tips for it, saying breathing slowly through the nose warms and humidifies the air. It makes it less likely that the cough will get worse. And take only take three or four breaths is not as many as he was suggesting. So you don't get hyperventilation and make yourself dizzy. And had a few other bits as well. So, yeah. Nice. It looks like that it's probably not going to do much good for you. Well, there you go. David Wright, fact-checked. Yeah. Boom. Boom. <laughs> I'm actually, I'm going to throw, I'm going to throw one more into the mix as well, actually, if that's all right, Robbo. Yeah. Um, we were going we to do this in the research update section, but thinking about it, it's a, it's a good Donald, Donald Trump myth in some ways. So have you seen um, Donald Trump has been going, so last episode we talked about kind of the, some of the different treatment options for people who've got the disease and antivirals and things that have been used in other diseases. Well, there's the one, one of them that was called chloroquine. Have you heard that one in the news? No. It came, it was, it came from, um, it was used in malaria, right, David? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so Donald Trump. So it's one of the ones that's it's in that big World Health Organization solidarity trial. Um, but obviously there's no results from that yet. And um, Donald Trump has been supposedly, despite advice from his scientific experts, has decided that this is the answer. This is, the, this is what's going to save us. And he says, uh, see, the, the, you can combine it with another drug. And he says, when taken together, these have a real chance to be one of the greatest game changers in the history of medicine. <laughs> the, FDA, wow. the FDA has moved mountains. Thank you. So that was what <laughs> he said. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and he, um, he, he was basing it off supposedly, there was a small French study. Did you see that study, David? Uh, there's, no. There's a small French study. A French study with 26 patients and they basically reported that um, the authors reported clearance no virus presence in samples taken um, in swabs taken um, which I mean it's a tiny study and he's obviously just gone a bit ham claiming it's this but what I found interesting was the effect that someone like that obviously in his position saying something like that can have so there's now there's been a mad everyone's been ordering this chloroquine drug and then <laughs> and then people have been going kind of off on their own a little bit so <laughs> i was reading in india they've um india's banned exports of the drug which is possibly a sign of things that could happen in the future which is a bit scary and it said some some doctors are hoarding it by writing prescriptions for their family members wow. and then um said there's been deaths in nigeria due to people self-treating um, with chloroquine and giving themselves overdoses. God. There was a guy in Arizona who um, 
used a, a he used a, a form of chloroquine that's used to clean fish tanks and oh, died yeah, after that. God. Yeah, I know. And um, the Brazilian president's ordered the military labs to ramp up production of it. <laughs> panic buying. It's like toilet paper, but a lot more serious. Um, wow. Tragic. So I think, I, I think that one, I'm not going to say it comes under, to say it would come in the myth category is wrong. But obviously, we, ha- we don't understand its it kind of effect within this purpose yet, right? And I think there's a few more results around, isn't there, David? Yeah, yeah they've just finished. Well, they're in the middle of doing a clinical trial in Brazil, studying a low dose and high dose in patients with coronavirus. And as of yesterday, I think they've already withdrawn the high dose because it started to cause heart problems in patients. So sure. all the people that were going to be on the heart high dose and have a move to the low dose and it's not known whether it's effective at all but yeah the high dose is definitely causing safety issues mm. so it's, it's not looking great so far so that'll, that'll definitely right. be, be one we update on and it's part of that big world health organization trial which will hopefully give us some actual answers but sorry that is the last of the my contribution to rob's myths <laughs> on a uh, on a slightly lighter note um, not necessarily a myth, just a funny story that I heard. Um, there is a, uh, I believe it's a car hire company, or maybe it's something similar to Uber uh, in the US. I think it's in Texas or something called Zoom. And their <laughs> share price has uh, spiked 1,000%. <laughs> in the way for this. So, yeah, that's a pretty uh, cool one. Um, right. I mean, they must be pretty, they must be pretty chuffed. Buzzing. Uh, <laughs> They probably, can't even, they probably can't even operate right now. And their share prices have gone up a thousand percent. Yeah, yeah, so true. So um, probably like the only place that is hiring in the wake of this. Mm. Um, yeah, so that's a good one. And then, um, I mean, we got some email correspondence through, didn't we? Probably uh, probably worth sharing sharing some of that. We did, indeed, um, yeah. There's yeah a- so um, thanks um, for getting in touch, guys. Um, uh, one we got from um, Ethelbert Mogg um, from Dublin in Ireland um, has said to us, um, Dear gents, I felt the need to get in touch with you. Having recently suffered from the coronavirus, I was drawn to your latest podcast. However, I can safely say that no symptoms I encountered in my bad dose were as painful or as draining as listening. <laughs> painful or as draining as listening to the three of you earwigging for 35 minutes. It led me to... to- it led me to diagnose myself with a new disease, sick of health, acute respiratory torture syndrome, abbreviated to SHARTS, a fitting name. Beside myself in anticipation of the next episode, kind regards, Ethelbert Mogg. So here we are. Um, thank you for that, Ethelbert. Um, I love that so much. Nice Brilliant. to get some feedback, I guess. You um, can't. If... <laughs> I mean, he's obviously... Uh, taking the piss or truly hated it either way i love it and it's a it's it's an inspired email love the acronym yeah yeah and yeah so thanks for that one Ethelbert. um keep it coming um and then correspondence wise to carry on that thread we um we're gonna we're gonna combine correspondence and uh unanswered questions from previous episodes because as we said it's changing so quick in it and we had a few different questions come in one of them, shout out to um, a very educated listener, Anthea Dixon, who came in with quite a few of these questions. Um, special shout out there. Cheers, mum. 
<laughs> so one of the questions was about i think we've seen it in the uk headlines that a third of a third of cases are from ethnic minorities and is there a possible mm. genetic implication um david any thoughts there yeah looked into this because um it does seem to be a trend that's happening and it's been reported in sweden as well and it's still not known exactly why and there's been quite a few theories about it none are biologically based at all they're all social um issues and i think there's just a lack of equality in day-to-day living with ethnic minorities which isn't hard to imagine at all still so with income housing so they're more likely to live in bigger houses multi-generational geography they're more likely to live in urban areas and you also get uh comorbidity so other diseases are more likely to happen in different cultures and different ethnicities. So South Asians are slightly more likely to get diabetes and other heart conditions, which makes it worse if you have coronavirus. One of the most interesting things seems to be occupational hazards. So a by far bigger majority of uh, ethnic minorities work in key frontline jobs, especially the NHS. So doctors from everywhere, from doctors to cleaning staff, but much higher proportion of ethnic minorities compared to the general population, but also in other frontline jobs such as buses, train drivers, and supermarket workers. So it's probably more of a case of exposure than anything mm. else. Yeah, I've, from looking at it, I saw similar, but yeah, the occupational bit is interesting. And um, I guess, because it's, I've only seen, did you say it, seen it in the UK and then Sweden's the other place, isn't it? Yeah, well, that's it. the other place I've seen reports. I mean, it's likely to be happening in lots of different places, I imagine, because yeah, those ethnic variations, I think, are quite common. Mm-hmm. And then... I think I'd be, it'd probably be um, right in saying that um, Sweden, I believe, has, like, they have a big, I think, ghetto culture. Is that right? Like, they have big, you know, I don't know. I, I hear that they have, like, areas where, uh, like, lots of first-generation migrants are concentrated into quite compressed areas which i'm sure probably doesn't help as well okay yeah yeah true definitely yeah it'll be interesting we'll keep a keep an eye on that one and i think it also we can revisit on that kind of hereditary aspect we can revisit one of uh, robbo's old questions about the um high cases in men i think previously we we talked about it being looking at china and italy being possibly down to smoking and stuff like that but there were a few other bits and pieces we found weren't there yeah 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 so it's not known exactly why this is the case still because it's not enough data but it's also observed in SARS and it's thought that women having two X chromosomes is probably has a big effect on this so they have extra functioning there so the so sorry bring it back a bit so women have an XX chromosome men have XY but the Y chromosome doesn't actually code for an awful lot at all so pretty much all your functional genetics is on the X chromosome so as they've got two copies of this, uh, it seems that they've got a um, better performing immune system. So it's thought that that could be one of the reasons why they have a better immune response, especially early on in coronavirus infection. And interestingly, their higher functioning immune system leads them to have a slightly higher risk of autoimmune diseases, such as rheumatoid arthritis and Crohn's disease. And there's also thought that hormones might play a role. So quite a few immune cells have estrogen receptors. And some experiments with SARS showed that if you block these receptors, you get a worse response, and it's more similar to what you see uh, in uh, males, and that was in mice. 
And then there's other behavioral factors, but these are much, much harder to work out. So smoking rates differ. Generally, men seem to smoke a bit more. Thought men probably wash their hands less often, less likely, <laughs> less likely to seek medical care early on in the disease. And, but all those things are very, very hard to actually test for. Uh, the, that's like to seek medical advice is interesting, isn't it? That kind of, we got, we've kind of talked about that before, haven't we, in the um, male yeah, suicide, the suicide. Um, yeah. Always an interesting point, and it has a dramatic effect. Um, and also the, the XY chromosome thing, that's taken it way back, isn't it? I didn't know that. That's really interesting. But you would have thought yeah. if, if that had a made a reasonable difference, it would be a pretty widespread difference rather than just for this virus. But I don't know. Interesting all the same. Okay, so in terms of um, other questions, listener questions. So we had, this was a good one, actually. So I think we've kind of talked about this in a way in terms of the immune response, but looking at the, looking at antibodies in particular, and I know there's been a lot of talk in the scientific world about kind of if you recover from the disease, part of that recovery process, correct me if I get this wrong, David, but part of that recovery process is creating antibodies that fight the disease. Yeah. And that's, that's what the vaccination is trying to do. It's trying to help you create antibodies that would fight the disease. So what they're looking at at the moment is trying to find those antibodies in people who've recovered. And then kind of key to the vaccination idea is what those antibodies are like and how long they last, I think is a key question. Um, mm. But we haven't discussed it yet because there isn't really much data around at the moment, is there? No. So yeah, there's still um, so antibodies are definitely being produced by the virus. So people that are infected do get coronavirus-specific antibodies made, but it's not known uh, how effective they would be at stopping a secondary of infection, and if they are effective, for how long that would last. So it still seems quite unknown at the moment. I did. Think, I guess given what we've we've said previously about the similarities between this virus and SARS and MERS. I did see that they found antibodies for SARS lasted approximately 1.5 years and for MERS uh, one year, which is, that's pretty promising time scale wise, isn't it? Um, yeah. I think I also saw something that, um, so I guess this is looking at the, and if I'm getting this, if I'm getting my connections mixed up here wrong, mixed up it, David, jump in. But mm -hmm. in terms of that, is the antibodies, antibodies kind of being effective is that connected to the rate of mutation of the disease yeah so that definitely plays a part in it so if the disease starts mutating a lot then the antibodies you produced might no might not match the the new virus anymore but i don't think it's quite as simple as that and i'm not an immunologist so if anyone is in those better feel free to chime in with an email but i think you can also get antibodies made inherently which just aren't as good at fighting it whether it's mutated or not I okay. think it's a bit more complicated than that because i because i guess in terms of the say that the the antibodies do hypothetically the antibody does work against the virus but if the virus is mutating it stops working um it brings us back to that question about uh, i think we covered it in episode one about one of the things about this virus is it can proof its own mutations. So normally a virus mutates a lot, but this virus from this virus can kind of 
stop yeah. or prove those mutations. It's got a proofreading mechanism. So it's, it's for its self-preservation to make sure it doesn't mutate badly because a lot of mutations are actually detrimental to itself. It will cause it to die. And then just through chance over it happening lots and lots of times, then you might get ones that avoid kind of new vaccines or new antibodies that we produce naturally. But um, yeah, that as they has that proofreading, then it's less likely to mutate as fast. That's, that's really interesting. That proofreading thing is that is that familiar? Is that quite normal with viruses like this? Uh, we covered it in the last one. I think it's not so common, no. And it's, yeah. It's, I think it's pretty unique to this virus from what we read. It was, it was certainly the thing that when we were looking at the different, the things that make this virus unique, it was the one that stood out for me. Mm. And I think they, um, now that we're a little bit further down the line, they can see that it is, that is coming to fruition, if that makes sense. As in, compared to other viruses, it's not mutating as quickly. And they say that's because that could all change when more um, selective pressures come into play. Like if we do start treating it with things and the mutation rate might increase. But right now, I think I, I read something that said, um, right now it's acquiring about two mutations a month. Um, and that's about half the rate of flu. And obviously flu, we redo the vaccine every year because it mutates. So, it's currently mm -hmm. the mutations are half the rate of flu, which I think is really interesting um, and bodes well for the vaccination thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we might be able to just stop it spreading completely before it gets to mutate into something that's resistant and then it will just go and it won't become a seasonal thing. Mm -hmm. And then the last, the last aspect. So we've kind of, we've jumped straight into research updates a little bit there. And the only, as we mentioned in the last episode, week by week, there's not going to be that many updates. Um, and then we also covered the chloroquine aspect. The only other thing I think we wanted to cover briefly was um, blood transfusions and blood plasma transfusions as a treatment. Have you seen, have you seen anything about this, Rob? Uh, no, I haven't actually, no. So it's, it's starting to kind of come out in the news and stuff, and it's a real simplistic idea and it's kind of connected to the anti well, it's definitely connected to the antibodies we were just talking about the idea that if someone has come through the disease and survived their body will naturally create antibodies to fight the disease therefore can we simply take blood plasma which is like the clear liquid of the blood um, and should have these antibodies can we take that out of someone who's recovered put it into someone who's struggling with the disease and help them fight the disease. Um, so it's a real simple idea and it's been used in the past. It was used Spanish flu wise. Apparently the, the idea in, uh, in China was used for SARS as well. Um, and again, the research isn't there yet, but it's one of these things that people have seen articles and they're kind of going off and doing their own thing. I was listening to an interview with this, um, this woman. She was an oncologist actually. Her father was ill with the disease and she'd heard about this. She put out a tweet to people saying, has anyone come through the um, virus and would be willing to donate their blood to my father? And apparently she got thousands of responses of people offering nice. to donate and other people being like, oh, my so-and-so's ill as well. Is there any way you can help with this? So it's definitely an interesting one to watch out yeah. for and, and one we'll keep track of. Yeah. I don't know if you've got any other thoughts, David. No, yeah, it's a really cool idea. I mean, it's 
it seems kind of strange it being like a, a public movement to get a treatment done and it's a bit different to how traditional medicines work but yeah it's pretty cool it, it, worry, it worries me the connection with the chloroquine stuff we were talking about at the beginning if people start trying to do it themselves yeah that's the risk especially things, on an unregulated idea and things can go horribly wrong yeah but i think that in terms of uh, research updates i think we have covered everything and it fits nicely in um so unless anyone's got any other specific queries or questions um i mean it kind of, kind of relevant to the point you guys have just made but um uh i think maybe one that is worth um bearing in mind as we like do more episodes is the the article about south korean patients apparently testing positive again having been released from hospital you know the question there i i read is essentially is the testing therefore inadequate and are people leaving when they're not clear mm -hmm. and then potentially risk passing it on to people again or are they actually becoming exposed to it again developing again i think based on david what you've said it's probably unlikely that 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 second one's the case assuming that doesn't generate it doesn't mutate that quick that it can therefore reinfect yeah. them when develop the antibodies but uh, it's not necessarily a case of mutation it could just be that the antibodies that they produce don't do enough to prevent a second infection right so, yeah, it is a very interesting point and yeah, i'm mm -hmm. not sure whether enough is known but yeah we'll look into it for the next episode yeah it's mm -hmm. a real interesting one that one and kind of a scary one because if you if, if if that doesn't work, then the idea of a, if it is the case of reinfection, um, the idea of a vaccine isn't as appealing either. Yeah. Um, and on the yeah. vaccine as well, you know, you mentioned Bill Gates earlier, but he's been quite vocal this week, hasn't he? Um, and he also came out and said the only way we're going to beat this is with a vaccine. Um, I'm presuming the two of you agree on that one, more or less. My views, my views changed slightly. I don't know. Given given our episode last time, before that, I was 100% vaccines the way to go. All our efforts to go into a vaccine. I still definitely think a vaccine is the way to completely end this. But given the time frame, um, that it's not like the 18 months is the earliest. I think we need to do a lot of. We need to look at other things as well kind of we can't hedge our bets on the vaccine we need to yeah. look at all the all the other treatments as well and try and yeah. see what else we can do to get but vaccine is probably the only option for going back to complete normality but there's a lot we can do in between them to get some semblance of normality is my current belief but it changes every day so yeah no i think the same thing i mean without kind of completely crippling people's mental health and the economy by staying in isolation then it's we're going to have to come out a little bit and it's going to be before a vaccine is produced. So is and current are the other treatments are all just kind of lessening the severity of it and not stopping it. So it's it does look like our best hope at the moment. Mm. Well, let's let us leave it there, chaps. It's a yeah, good, interesting note to finish it on. And I think we've done a nice job of updating everyone there. And we will come back next time with this this much anticipated episode on countries different approaches <laughs> um, which i'm definitely intrigued to get into the research and have a look at that because lots of interesting questions so thank you very mm. much chaps thanks for listening especially ethelbert i hope you enjoyed this one more <laughs> <laughs> and we'll uh, see you next time sick so sick so sick of hell